Our reading this evening is Jonah chapters 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And in fact, in Ezekiel it says, clear as day, God takes no pleasure. He asks Ezekiel, he says, do I take any pleasure in the death of anyone? The Lord God takes no pleasure in in the death of anyone. And apparently, even at the end of our lesson there, you saw he doesn't even take pleasure in the death of cattle. Why would they 
make the list of reasons to pity that great city Nineveh, not to mention those 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left children. In that great city Nineveh, God pitied them because he does not delight in the death of the wicked or anyone for that matter. That's something that Jonah knows but does not appreciate. It's something that Jonah knows but does not appreciate, and so he is angry, exceedingly angry, unto death. It is better that I would die than that I live. Of course, he's dead wrong. It's not better for Jonah to die than to live. It's not better for him. It's not better for the people of Nineveh. It's not better for anyone that Jonah would die. Jonah knows that God is gracious, but he does not take it to heart. Jonah has been raised from the dead, in fact, but he does not live a resurrected life. You remember how he was raised from the dead. He had fled from God's command, got aboard that ship going to Tarshish, and when the storm rose, he told the sailors it was because of him, and so they threw him overboard with much fear and trembling. And those sailors worshipped God, they believed God, they made vows and offered sacrifices to the true God, while Jonah sank into the depths of the sea and was swallowed by a great fish, appointed by God. Death and burial for Jonah. After three days in that tomb, Jonah was vomited out on the shore. A new life. He was raised from the dead. This was a picture of what was going to happen to the people of Israel. God had appointed not a great fish, but the great nation Assyria, whose capital was Nineveh, to swallow them up because of their rebellion, because they, like Jonah, had wandered away. But it wouldn't be forever. It would be a death and burial that would lead to resurrection. God would save his people from that foreign nation, from captivity to Assyria. But even better than that, God would save us by the death and burial of Jesus and his resurrection on the third day. He would save us by laying us in a tomb with Jesus through baptism into his death so that we could rise with him. Something that happens to us day after day as we daily lay to rest our old sinful nature and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity. That's what the story is, a story of death and resurrection. But the problem with Jonah is that he does not want to live this resurrected life. He wants to live a life where he knows about God's love, but where he doesn't appreciate it. You heard what a great confession Jonah made of who God is. This is why I didn't want you to send a message to Nineveh, he says, because I knew that you were loving and kind and patient, and I knew you would forgive all of their sins and that you would save them from destruction. That's why I didn't want to go. Jonah is a prophet, a messenger of the gospel, quite in spite of himself. When he was on the boat trying to get away from God, those sailors believed. And here, you can imagine the tone of voice that Jonah had as he was marching through the city, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, not exactly a winsome witness to God's mercy, and yet they believed. God's grace is so marvelous, so abundant, that it even withstands the most miserable of preachers. They believed and were saved in spite of Jonah, in spite of the fact that he didn't really love God's love. He didn't really want God to be gracious to Nineveh. He didn't really want to receive God's kindness, especially, especially when it is contrary to all appearances. So he didn't want there to be a great fish appointed to swallow him. He didn't want there to be a great nation appointed to save his people. 
And so God appointed something else to teach Jonah a lesson. As Jonah sat there brooding and hoping that he would see fire from heaven fall on that city, God appointed a plant. A plant which, like the fish and like the city of Nineveh, like the great nation of Assyria, a plant that was meant for salvation, a plant that was meant to do good in spite of all appearances. God appointed that plant, and then he appointed a worm, and then he appointed an east wind. And when Jonah was upset, God brought it to a head. Did you make any of those things, Jonah? Did you make that plant? Did you make that worm? Did you cause that east wind to rise up? Isn't it all by my command, by my design, according to my will? And what is my will? This is the question that Jonah needs to consider. What is God's will? That no one would perish. Not Jonah, not the people of Nineveh, not the people of Israel, not you or me. It is God's will that none of us would die, but that we would live. That we would be saved from our sins, that we'd be brought back from wickedness, brought back from hell, and given eternal life. But that's a life that has to be lived. God's love is not just something that we ought to know about, but something that should be received. And that was the problem for Jonah. He knew about God's love, but he didn't love it. He thought it was too much for those people, too good for those people. Maybe it was just for him. Maybe it was just for his people. But no, God's love is so abundant. It's for the whole world, so abundant that it pours out the edges. As Jonah is walking around trying to ruin people's lives, God is loving them through his message. As Jonah is walking about being a harbinger of gloom and doom, God is saving them. From the least to the greatest and down to the cattle. Even the cattle fasted because of the king's proclamation. It sounds kind of plain and ordinary to us. Just like kind of a humdrum occasion of repentance. They put on sackcloth and they sat in ashes. But this was the city of Nineveh. A wicked city, a truly wicked city. The cry against that city went up to heaven like the cry against Sodom and Gomorrah. And they repented. They believed God. Because of his mercy, because of his love, they believed God. And God spared the city of Nineveh so that he could spare his people. For Assyria would conquer them, Assyria would conquer the people of Israel and keep them safe, preserve a remnant, a faithful remnant. God would not wipe them off the face of the earth, but he would save them by taking them into captivity and teaching them to love his love to long for his kindness, to hope in his mercy alone. It's what he does for you and me. You've been buried with Christ by baptism into his death. You've been laid in the grave and raised with Jesus. You have a new life to live. It is as though God came to you again and said a second time, now go, go and live as my disciples. Now go and live as my children. Let us do better than Jonah. Let us be better than Jonah. Let us take to heart God's love for us. Let us live this resurrected life, not merely knowing that God is gracious and merciful, but believing it, holding it fast in our hearts, putting it to use, putting his love to good use in our lives, loving our neighbors as he has loved us, spreading the good news of his love with joy and not as a matter of duty or obligation, but because the Lord desires everyone to be saved. He does not delight in the death of the wicked. He does not delight in the death of anyone. He wants to save the world. Praise be to God that he has given us that good news, that he has appointed us to be his children, that he has given us this vision 
this beautiful picture of his graciousness and his kindness, let us be people who confess, not just with our words, but with our lives, that God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.